Hello and welcome to the Neo Marais Show. This episode is the fourth in a series of conversation with graphic designers, researchers and thinkers in cooperation with Graphic Matters. My name is Thomas Dam, graphic designer and founder of Neo Marais. And today you can listen to my conversation with Liz McQuiston. Liz is a graphic designer, educator and writer. And over the past 30 years she has written a substantial number of books on graphic design and politics. Her books include Visual Impact, Graphic Equitation and Women in Design. While walking through the city of Breda, on our way to the train station, we talk about why Liz writes about the relationship between graphic design and politics, the silent equals death project and the advantage of silkscreen printing in the age of technology. And now, without any further ado, here's the show. Well, I really here at the festival because of the books that I have written over the years. For the last 30 years, I've written uh, quite a few books on the graphic design of dissent and activism. And I think that's the side of me which is most important in this context. Um, I do a lot of other things, but uh, um, no, I'm really here because of the activism in the visual activism and how did you get inspired to write about um, this topic I think because of uh, you know I mean my first book started in uh, 1988 but I actually was uh, collecting research quite a while before that and it was events (laughs) You know, I remember the Vietnam War. I remember the AIDS epidemic in America. You know, I was uh, so many things impacted on my understanding of life and the world, etc. That uh, I remember the race riots in America. It was, uh, I think anybody who lived through the 60s in America and actually and into the early 70s who saw the crises going on and the changes going on was was changed forever and uh, ever since then that is the eye that I now use on the world you know the events are really what make us what we are you know and particularly what make me what I am and what I do Was there one specific event that stroke you and that triggered you to go in research this deeper? Well, <laughs> it's it's very yeah, it's very difficult to just sort of say one. Um, I mean, I could you, be. You ma- you mentioned all these events that happened, and then uh, like together they brought you to this research. Yes, yes. I mean, certainly the the Vietnam War had a tremendous impact because that was a uh, terrible time uh, in America with the uh, protests and everything, and and the protesters were treated so badly mm-hmm. and brutally. Um, but uh, again, the thing that uh, really made an impact graphically was the AIDS epidemic in the 1980s, which is visualized by the silence equals death poster in the Design for Dissent exhibition um, in Graphic Matters. And um, I've 
probably talked about that poster more than I've talked about anything okay. uh, since I've been here because it was uh, an incredible, incredible um, undertaking by a small group of activists who grew and grew and under that incredible visual identity mm. of silence equals death against a black background um, managed to bring change and uh, they campaigned uh, uh, for money for the drugs you know uh, and the research uh, they did so many things uh, that challenged the government and uh, they started in 1987 which was already six years mm. into the epidemic yeah. and tens of thousands were dying yeah. and, and uh, um, yesterday uh, yesterday, during the lectures you gave at the opening, mm. you described one of their key posters. Yeah. Can you describe it again for me, please? <laughs> um, yes. It has a black background with a simple pink triangle pointing up on that black background and underneath near the top of the poster and underneath it at the bottom of the poster in large white letters is silence equals death in other words you keep shut you don't do anything you don't actually shout about it and you will die and that was the situation at the time um and people took them on board oh i've never I'm no, not sure we can walk this yeah, way. Yeah? yeah. yeah. Um, you can just go with here. Yeah. Wait. Um, so over the years, um, you did research to all this visual material. Like, what what are the the main elements to create a activistic poster for you? Well, again, time and place. Uh, there was a certain time issue going on. Uh, there was an urgency. Nobody was doing anything. It had a very, very strong logo. Yeah, very authoritative logo. Mm -hmm. And uh, it made an impact on people. So, uh, and, and more in general, like, what are... We are crossing the street now. Okay. <laughs> carefully. Yeah, carefully, yeah. Uh. So, uh, um, more in general, what, what are, like, this post is very simplistic. And, and clean with one graphic, one color background and yeah. black, white type. Yeah. But is this cleanness or this, um, this um, simplicity, is that like key for all good posters? No, I, again, it, it uh, does depend on circumstances okay. and uh, what people are going to, uh, you know, what they're trying to achieve with the poster. Um, there were some very, very strong posters um, against war over the years. 
that uh, again are uh, quite complicated but you know get get themselves noticed so I don't think that the clean corporate method uh, or the clean corporate look if you like is right for every purpose right. but it was certainly right for that purpose yeah. um, and uh, sometimes complexity is important mm -hmm. because they, they work in different ways yeah. you know um, one is hitting you over the head with a hammer the other one is creeping into your mind yeah. and sitting there yeah. and uh, gestating for a while. So um, they do very different things, I think. Okay, and um, one thing that you also mentioned yesterday in, the in, in your talk, where you talked about 10 reflections over the past uh, uh, 30 years, you, um, let me see, you say how technology, technology endorses and how does technology does not endorse. And uh, I was uh, struck about this because we are now so in this uh, we are now so in this technology more and more. And how, how can you deliberate a little bit about that or tell about how you see this? Well, I was making a slight joke out of it, although it's not funny, really. Yeah. Um, it is amazing how many graphic designers are still. Um, uh, fond of silkscreen or right. screen process printing yeah. and still do it. Yeah. Um, even when we were sitting in the uh, room before the performance last yeah. night, I was sitting with six or seven designers and I asked them all, you know, how many of you use silkscreen in your work, you know, either now or, or recently? Mm -hmm. And three quarters of them said yes. You know, so um, it is something that has a special quality that uh, I think people love, but also, as I said in the talk, you know, it is the simplicity of method. You know, you can do it anywhere, but perhaps more importantly, nowadays, uh, it can't be tracked. Right. And anything you do digitally leaves a you know footprint right. of some kind right. and can be tracked yeah. so uh, that is again uh, something that I think people uh, do actually make use of but uh, the idea that some technology doesn't endure that is in a sense what <laughs> I was trying to explain with the fact that my first book in 1988 was actually written on an Olivetti electric typewriter. And if I made a mistake, I was painting out the mistake yeah. with Tipex uh, or white paint. And so, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, as time went on, I graduated to an Amstrad with huge 13 and a half centimeter discs that you had to insert and a little bit of coding. Um, I then moved on to uh, floppy disks. I then moved on to zip disks and then zip drives. Yeah. And then the cloud came in 
um, and flash drives and everything. And the fact of the matter is that none of this stuff is actually terribly stable over length of time. Yeah. So um, it is not, it's something we need to think about. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we will start uh, losing our visual history. Yeah. And um, in the end, perhaps the best thing is to do as much as possible to hang on to originals, you know, posters on paper mm -hmm. or print things out mm -hmm. and try to have something concrete yeah. that you can then archive somewhere. The, yeah, because the digital world is, uh, it's not easy, <laughs> you know. But, uh, and I think uh, some people are trying to archive it and, uh, you know, back things up, etc. But, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not convinced it's going to work. Okay. Or, like, you d you're not convinced, like, technology is going to help to create social movements? I think technology is wonderful for all sorts of research, immediacy, uh, being able to talk to people. I mean, I can remember having to uh, write a letter to someone in India yeah. and from London and expecting it to take three weeks to get to them right. and then another three weeks to get back. That's how I did research in those days. So uh, that was in the 80s. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. So it's amazing that one can just push a button and actually send an email yeah. in, you know, three seconds or whatever. But uh, again, you, it is when you are trying to make things last through decades and even generations that one comes to the problem. There's a difference between the here and now and the activity that one has and what one is trying to keep as the story of history. So <coughs> now we are living in this era of technology and social media. How do you see that the movements, the, so the social, political and the, the, the activist, the designer as an activist changed through social media or through technology? Oh, I think it's changed tremendously because, uh, I mean, again, even in the uh, 2011 revolutions, when people were uploading images uh, in Cairo and other places onto social media and spreading them through Twitter, and uh, there was so much activity going on at that time, and they collected supporters that way, but um, also dispersed terrible photographs and images so that people knew what was going on. Uh, and they did that through uh, having their own sort of you know, phones, because smartphones were in by then, but also sitting in internet cafes. Mm -hmm. So uh, it changed the whole nature of how people collect in order to protest uh, something. And uh, that went on to a certain extent in the early 2000s in uh, Britain when the uh, 
movement to stop the government building motorways through areas of uh, natural beauty. Uh, people were climbing up in trees and chaining themselves to trees and doing all sorts of things. But a lot of them gathered through what was then websites, you know, and um, mobile technology, etc. So it started fairly early on, yeah. you know, and has developed, uh, you know, magnificently since then. But is it also that, like, the visual styles changed, like the way of the how the visuals look like oh, yeah. changed? Yeah. No, it's had an impact on that, and um, I think that. Uh, can you give an example? Oh. Of is that hard? Off the top of my head, difficult. Um, but uh, let me think. Can I have thirty seconds to think yeah. about that? I think some of the imagery that is pulled off the internet. Um, does make for uh, very different photographs that are used on posters. But as, as in some of the posters that I showed from the early years of the Syrian uh, conflict, the uh, Now those posters were all done online and posted online, mm. but they have the same character right. as something that was created offline. Yeah. You know, like the stencil. Uh, uh, yeah. Stencil thing. Yeah. Um, the difficulty is that uh, quite a lot of them were low res. Right. So that issue of the digital high so res, low res. So we have the problem know. of reproduction. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh, for they're, example, they're putting up the refugee. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we are walking here in the park, in the Breda Park, and they are now putting air in the refugee. Uh, <laughs> what do you think of this refugee? Oh, I think it's wonderful. Yeah. I think that uh, anything that is done to raise the awareness of the plight of the numbers of people who were yeah. drowning yeah. in the middle of the Mediterranean and you know dispersing themselves into uh, countries that don't know what to do with them yeah. and that usually end up disliking them yeah. uh, it's a tricky world we live in at the moment so uh, I think there I think it's wonderful it looks very different deflated yeah, deflated <laughs> it's like uh, it's very oh, graphical. Careful. Yeah. Yeah? But still, it's very graphical. Graphic. Yes, it is. Um, and the nice thing about it is that you can transport it different places. Right. You know, so it becomes the moving statue. You're right. The moving monument. Right, right. Uh, which, again, is really interesting. Yeah. Uh, nobody can escape, it will pop up anywhere. Yeah. Um, I, I want to go back to your to one of your your, your to your first book, uh, Women in Design. Yeah. Shall we go walk here? Yeah. Yeah, that might be 
Um, that book was published before the internet. Yeah. And uh, as you said, um, and how do you see like the current call on social media and on, on the internet? Um, that there is a lot of talk about women in design, or at least that's what I see, and uh, or a platform celebrating women, uh, women in design. Um, what has changed over the last 30 years in this? Well, you just hear about it much more now. Yes. And um, there are more evidence of women. I mean, when I, when I first tried to get that book published, I would go around to publishers in London and they would just say, there's no audience for this book. There are no women in design. And I would <laughs> trot out this long list yeah. and they would say, no, no, sorry, they're, nobody's they're gonna not read famous that. Or yeah, um, and uh, it was uh, very, very difficult to um, get going. And uh, I finally uh, got it picked up by a small publisher named Trefoil yeah. in London, uh, who were very good, had a very good reputation. And to everyone's surprise, it was co-editioned then by Rizzoli in America. And that sort of took it places that it wouldn't normally have gone. Yeah. But again, the research on that, um, the research and the writing I had to do in about six months. And that was, that was terrible, that was lethal. It, it was a crazy thing to do because half the time it took three weeks for letters to get to people right, and right, right, right. so they had to answer quickly <laughs> and in order to uh, uh, be in the book but it is still uh, it still pops up quite a bit which is rather interesting yeah. because one of the well there are many interesting things about it uh, there are catalogs of women in design that have been produced since but what I was interested in at that point was not only the amazing work that the women were doing, but how they got into design. Because for an amazing number of women in the book, it was their second career. They had actually done something else first. They were either a maths teacher or, you know, whatever. And they then went into design. Uh, and it also covers a wide range of different design areas, you know, everything from product design to graphics to architecture. So Zaha Hadid, a very early Zaha Hadid is in there because I telephoned someone in the uh, Architectural Association and said, you know, what, what's happening with women in design? Yeah. And, I, and they didn't hang up on me, as some people did. They said, oh, well, you've got to have Zaha. And I said, right, who's Zaha? <laughs> you know? So um, I had very, very good consultants. Um, and I owe them a lot for that. Uh, because I was trying to stretch way beyond my you know, own area. But there were very exciting things happening. So, and I started all that simply because I was sick of seeing um, my students uh, walking around with books that were only done by middle-aged white men where it looked very commercial, never explored why people did any of it, 
and uh, didn't seem to have much humanity attached to them. It was all very commercial, you know. Um, and that was in the 1980s, long after First Things First by Ken Garland. And, you know, and people had been beating that drum the whole way along, and it still hadn't sunk in. So um, I thought, no, this is, this is not good. There are more women working into design. You know, it's still early days, but something must be done. So I did. <laughs> so it's been like, I say, 30 years almost. What's, what has changed in this period for you? Everything. Yeah. Uh, the technology, uh, the meaning of things, the uh, perspective one has on it all. Uh, because, uh, again, you know, as time goes on, you look back at things and with new knowledge, you reassess the old knowledge. Right. And so that's why I'm sort of more inclined to reflect now than I was earlier yeah. um, in my life because I was so busy doing it all. Right. The one was carving heavy paths into, you know, political graphics. Mm. And because again, that wasn't, up until 1985, publishers didn't want to touch politics. And then Live Aid happened, mm -hmm. and suddenly politics became sexy. Yeah. So you could actually put forward a book on political graphics. But at the time, there were very few of them around. So again, it was an it's an area that has exploded now, and um, is you know very very buoyant, and no one sort of you know uh, um, thinks it, it is a uh, strange unknown subject, mm. but they did back then. Mm. But or they just said, you know, oh, we don't do things in politics. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, because publishers at that time were very conservative. So, um, so going back to women in design, I got booted out of more offices than I got welcomed in, trying to get a uh, someone to publish the book. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Would you consider publishing it again, like with, a, with, a, with, with the reflection that you have now? Of course, I'm I'm working on another book now. Ah, okay. Yeah, that I, didn't I know. never go. I never ah, stop, okay. rather. So, um, wha where's the book about? No. Oh, no? You no. <laughs> can't ask? No. I'm okay. I never talk about books okay. before they've been accepted. Okay. It is still in commissioning it's stage. Okay. Okay. And I have superstition up and down me <laughs> that uh, if you talk about it, it won't happen. Right. So, I wait until I'm pretty sure that it's going to be a goer and then I tell people but it will certainly be along the subject that I've been talking about you know so far political imagery and, and do you think that every designer should be uh, political active or social active or use their talents to be active or an activist well I think they should but people are people you right. know and they're not necessarily going to listen to me, and why should they, <laughs> you know, really? It, though it takes all, all sorts, but um, uh, I certainly try to push uh, 
that type of work now in the college that I teach in, and, and, and I have done that for years mm. in, in various colleges. Mm. I don't expect students to think the way I do or to support the same causes that I do, but I do like to feel that they question more after I've lectured them or, or you know, pushed them in that direction. And uh, I think, because they need to think for themselves. I, I can't teach them politics or what. No, to so, no, but you can ask them how to ask questions. Yes. So yes. we walk a bit further yeah. because of the... Yeah. I expose them to a lot and, uh, and we debate it, you know. Yes. So um, as long as we are in the area of debate and analysis, that's fine. What I don't like is to tell people what they should do because they need to make their minds up themselves. Right. You know, and most of them do. Believe it or not. Yeah, yeah, I can sure. You're smiling cynically. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Uh, I've, I've been there also. And also people change. So again, the students that I have at the age of 21, by the time they're 31, Totally There'll be different person. people. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Of course. So we are almost at your hotel, I think. Yep. It's right over there. Ah, it's all new for me. Uh, not Breda, but I mean the station is new for me. Me uh, too. That's <laughs> a, that's my worry, you know. Ah, uh, okay. No, it, sound, it, it looked very well designed underneath the ground. Yes. <laughs> so. Everything else is uh, d yeah. dis Just for a bit discussion. Confusing. That's yeah. yeah. It's the signage that yeah. uh, um, you can help me. What's the word for exit uh, or way out? Outgang. Right. Outgang. Outgang. Yeah. U I T G A N G. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that. Yeah. Okay. So um, let me see. I, normally, I end with five recommendations it's called the neon five do we still have time for this five re what re kind rec of recommendation a recommendation a book everybody should read and f uh, an, an event or conference or an happening that you should attend and uh, am i allowed to mention one of mine yes uh books you mean yeah yeah sure and another one okay uh i think everyone should read visual impact right. because as I think we were talking before, um, I used to center books around decades or you know, uh, 10 years of events and activities because it fell naturally that way. Uh, things happen faster now. It's kind of scary. Um, and consequently, the people I was talking to today uh, 2011 revolutions mm. that was only six years ago but some of them wouldn't have known what I was talking about so again people age more quickly in some ways um, but uh, I never assume that the audiences that I'm talking about now uh, do remember or which is the other thing attention spans, memories, yeah. you know, it's all getting a bit thinner. And uh, I think that that is one of the big issues and why 
I like to keep going because, uh, y you know, the events are just collapsing time, you know. Um, and I see that, again, in my college, in my students. Um, I remember the first time I saw students' eyes glaze when I was doing a lecture about the Tiananmen Square massacre, and I thought, my God, they don't know what I'm talking about. That was, you know, back in the early 90s. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, or actually, it was about mid-90s. Uh, yeah, about mid-90s. And they, of course, were too young to actually have really recognized what was going on there. Yeah. And I look for that more and more nowadays. Um, so that's why I mentioned one of my yeah. books. Yeah, I mean, you, had, like, um, you, you put all, your, all the visual work in this uh, social context that was happening. Yeah. That's really like in this historical perspective. Yeah. Yes. And then you can, that's, that's, uh, that's how I see it. It's, that's the storyline that you use, this historical yeah. event, uh, uh, timeline of events. Yeah. And then you use yeah. uh, visual material to explain the situation. Yeah, and that is, ve that is very important to me. Um, I don't necessarily like to just present images. I always feel that people need to see the context and if there is symbolism in the image, you know, they need to see that, they need to know that. So um, my books do involve writing along with the um, uh, images because as you say, I'm telling a story, you know, or trying to get people to see things or analyze things in a particular way. And I also even set up the spreads in a particular way so that images relate to each other because de I I'm firmly believe that designers learn through their eyes, you know, the, the, through visuals. Mm -hmm. And um, they actually make connections quicker that way. Um, and um, that has always fascinated me. So that's why my books are the way they are. Um, but the additional book, I would say, is David Francis, um, How to Survive a Plague. You talked about this yeah. uh, during the lecture. Read it for the history. Yeah. The silence equals death poster is actually in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, and I think it is a, a remarkable example of how people take action mm. and get results, yeah. you know. So, tragi for tragic reasons, you know. But there you go. It, it also gives this historical yeah. overview of what happened during yeah. during this period, yeah. during the start of the AIDS epidemic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And um, uh, a recommendation of an event or a conference? An event or a conference? Graphic Matters. <laughs> Do go to Graphic Matter. Oh, no, no. What are you laughing for? <laughs> you know, I, d I don't drag myself to everything. I, I came because it looked so interesting. Yeah, yeah, sure. And I thought the performance looked, you know, fantastic yeah. last night. Right. And there are a lot of very interesting people here. Yes. So, you know, graphic designers too often are attending conferences or meetings where they just glorify graphic design yes. and not the meaning of it and what it can do yeah. for society. So I think this has been great. I think everybody should go. It's on until the 22nd of October. You have no excuse, <laughs> you know.
And that's where my conversation with Liz McQuisset ended. It was a real pleasure to walk with Liz through Breda. I truly learned a lot. There are two related interviews that I want to highlight. The first one is my interview with the artist behind the inflatable refugee Schellekens and Peleman, and the second with Michael Elswood and Cory Gotch of Design Studio Civilization, where we talk about the social engagement of designers. Both interviews can be found on our website neomarie.com or on YouTube, just search for Neomarie. Hi, it's Thomas. Neomarie also has a newsletter called Neomonthly. So if you want to be the first to know about the shows, please sign up via neomarie.com slash subscribe. You can also follow the show on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Neomarie. And if you have time, please leave a review on iTunes. It really helps others to find out about the show. Thanks for listening.